Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. As the spirits of Halloween roll in, ever-growing fears permeate the air. To cope with it, we tell stories to have those fears exercised. Even in the darkest of times, these tales show us the monsters, even the ones around us. And in these moments together, we can distill knowledge needed to help us defeat them. And then also, before we get into our stories today, I want to tell you about a spooky surprise we have coming just in time for Halloween. It's a new series, a supernatural thriller called The Shadow Diaries. Go to Spotify and check out the trailer and hit follow. I'll be sharing a few more details about it next week, but trust me, it's going to be scary and, well, I'll leave you with that for now. First, mysterious seeds sow a malevolent growth. And then a walk along the shore brings unwanted attention, followed by a family fights for their lives on the night of Halloween. And finally, we bring you part one of Jeff the Killer, our abridged reading of the anonymous creepypasta. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. And if you'd like to support Something Scary, consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast, a weekly video, and see ad-free episodes. And if you love what we're doing here, then support our Patreon for more scary content. That'd be patreon.com slash snarled. So... Want to hear something scary? Pumpkin Panic. Nothing says Halloween like a pumpkin, and nothing is more rewarding than growing your own. But sometimes, that thing you grow gets out of your control, and there is a terrible price to pay to tame it. The same dream plagues Robin every night. A gigantic spider hunts, covered in the darkest of shadows. The only thing she makes out about this giant predator is its gruesome jack-o'-lantern face. There, the screams, then the silence. 
She tries to run, but the spider is coming to her faster and faster. It catches up to her every single time. And just before she looks up into its giant grinning maw, she wakes up. Robin sat upright in bed, drenched in sweat, and looked out her bedroom window at the humongous pumpkin growing in her backyard. She realized the dream started after she planted the mysterious seeds that came in the mail a few weeks ago. Everyone was receiving them, and no one knew where they came from. On the news, they told people to destroy the seeds and not plant them, but Robin had been too curious. She planted the seeds and spent the next few weeks nurturing her new plant baby as it sprouted. She'd always wanted a pumpkin garden, and to her surprise and delight, a pumpkin quickly appeared and it grew fast. Too fast and too big. She realized planting those seeds might have been a mistake, but she couldn't bring herself to destroy her new plant either, at least not willingly. Robin went outside to look at the huge pumpkin. She'd stopped nurturing it a week ago, but it was still getting bigger. So big it was beginning to bust through her fence. You need to get rid of that monstrosity young lady, yelled her neighbor, the elderly Mr. Spivey. Robin backed away from her crotchety neighbor as he continued to berate her. Tripping over her own feet, she fell backward into her pumpkin. Its skin didn't feel like any pumpkin she had ever touched before. It felt reptilian and hard like a rock. The touch of the pumpkin suddenly threw her back into the terror of her dream, of the relentless monster that stalked each night. She jerked herself away from the pumpkin and fell hard on the ground, scraping her hands. Mr. Spivey threatened her. If she didn't get rid of that thing soon, he would get her evicted. That night, her dream was different. This time, she was the gigantic spider with the jack-o'-lantern face. On the hunt, and this time filled with a focused, malevolent rage. Her prey had tried to hide, but she could smell their sweat and taste their fear as she moved in for the kill. Triumphantly flipping her prey over with one of her gruesome legs, she realized it was Mr. Spivey. A dark glee filled her as she opened her massive jaws and chomped down, cutting him off mid-scream. Robin woke up yet again covered in sweat. The dreams were getting worse. Enough was enough, she thought to herself, heading to the hardware store for supplies. She had to get rid of this terrible pumpkin that her imagination was using as inspiration for these gruesome nightmares. When she returned home, there were police at Mr. Spivey's house. His door was bloody and broken off the hinges. Investigators suspected foul play, but there was no body to be found despite all the blood. Robin remembered her nightmare and looked at the mountainous gourd lurking in her backyard. It was nighttime by the time the police left. Robin then took the axe and herbicide she'd bought earlier into the backyard. When she got to the pumpkin, she noticed a new smaller pumpkin had sprouted up next to it. It was growing more of itself. Robin quickly got to work. She began to pour the herbicide on the pumpkin vines when suddenly everything fell quiet and still. She felt uneasy. Something was wrong. The earth began to rumble beneath her and shifted as the vines ripped themselves out of the ground. They all suddenly looked like spider legs and in unison, they pushed the giant pumpkin up out of the ground. Robin shrieked as she came face to face with the same jack-o'-lantern spider from her nightmares. It opened its massive jaws and roared with an unearthly voice. 
What are you doing, Mother? Terrified, Robin fell backwards and smashed into the smaller pumpkin next to her, cracking it open. Inside the broken gourd was the partially digested head of Mr. Spivey. Robin was overcome with horror and gasped out a broken scream. She tried to run, but she was surrounded on all sides by the spidery vine legs of the grotesque pumpkin monster. Am I not as you made me, mother? It bellowed as she desperately clawed at the earth around her to crawl away. But just like her dream, the monster was faster and exclaimed, Now you're food like all the rest. The monster bit down hard with his jack-o'-lantern jaw on her neck, yanking fiercely up into the air. As her headless body smashed into the ground, the pumpkin's vines opened a grave for her next to the headless body of Mr. Spivey. It covered the graves and settled back into place, feeding off the corpses decomposing below it. The next morning, another smaller, head-shaped pumpkin sprouted on the vine. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The ocean is a hostile place filled with all sorts of vicious and dangerous creatures. And sometimes on very unlucky nights, they wash up on nearby shores as told in A Line in the Sand a story submitted by Mike Lee. Tobias looked at the other children his age suspiciously. He watched them from afar as they collected sand with bright plastic buckets and gathered water from the dying tide of the ocean. Their castles came along nicely as they scraped moats with miniature shovels and added seashells for decoration. The gardener's daughter, Lily, called for him. She was always trying to include him in these silly games. Tobias hated his parents' summer house. Why couldn't they stay in the city where his friends were, instead of forcing him to play along the shore with the local urchins? Lily called again in vain, as Tobias poked at a stranded jellyfish drying on the shore. The bulbous creature had been popped like an overfilled balloon. He studied the translucent shape, turning it over with a piece of driftwood. The film of its skin was shredded the tentacles torn from its core. The tide had abandoned the helpless thing, leaving it for the birds and crabs. He sketched a circle of remembrance around the animal, adding an etched cross to its border. Tobias then strolled down the beach, having paid his respects. He left the wilted jellyfish to the mercy of the gulls. He walked down the beach until the laughter of the other children had mixed with the wind and waves. 
the slow and heavy tide smothering the cries of excitement and calls for more sand or seawater. Turning to see if he could still spy the gardener's daughter and her friends, Tobias found they were barely visible as the day dimmed. All he could see was the lonely line in the sand behind him as he trailed the piece of driftwood loosely in his hand. As the sun set, he felt in his bones the tide change, his stick still dragging behind him, snagging onto something. Tobias looked down to see a fish. It was hard to see what species it had been, yet the carcass was still fresh, its gills still pumping breathlessly. He examined the creature, its belly gutted and the insides seeping out onto the sand. It leaked a strong odor of salt and new decay. Tobias shrugged his shoulders and continued up the coastline. Not far from where he found the fish, Tobias came upon what at first appeared to be an unusual rock, a small boulder of gray and sea green warming its way towards the water. Horrified, he saw the stone had four reptilian feet, the tiny limbs struggling on the strand. It was a turtle, injured and dying as well. Its shell caved inward, smashed shards of carapace surrounding it. The purple innards left to work uncovered, open in the sea air. The animal's organs beat and convulsed as Tobias looked away, unable to stomach the sight. Afraid, he ran away from the broken creature, away from its suffering and hollow gasps. The steady line in the sand now a frantic scrawl across the shore as he continued to tow the piece of drift far from the grisly scene. Waves lapped at his feet. The boy's heart pounded as he ran, fear carrying his legs faster than he thought possible. With the night nearly set, a dense mist had gathered over the water. Edging closer, it threatened to choke everything around the child. He stopped in his tracks. Using the driftwood, he steadied himself, catching his winded breath. The beach had become cold, the chill tightening his chest. In front of Tobias slumped a pile of flotsam covered by seaweed, not unusual until the wet mound turned to him. Hello, little boy. It spoke, the words trickling from its center. Tobias stood in silence as the form arose, revealing the body of a grown woman, her torso mottled in decay and dressed in a writhing gown that coiled below her waist. He knew as he stood terror-stricken in front of the creature, this was no mermaid, no siren, no golden-voiced cherub of the deep. It asked for his name, but Tobias remained silent. The woman towered over him, the pulsating garment she wore, a mass of slick tentacles and sharpened feelers. Very well. You keep your secrets, boy, she relented. Amused by the mute child, elongated limbs whipping playfully around her, the mist punctuated by sharp stabs of tendrils. Through her locks and tangles of seaweed, Tobias could see a pair of dark, deep-set pearl orbs, unblinking and unfeeling, the eyes of an eel. She moved closer. Will you stay with me? She drew nearer. Will you stay? She repeated, the words growling from beneath her gown, the slimy tentacles spreading. Tobias cried out as he saw her featureless face, the pearl eyes no more a part of the creature than the barnacles that decorated her bloated flesh. He heard another voice call from her center. Stay. 
echoed. Stay with us. The creature lifted the hem of her dress above her empty face, exposing the hundreds of tiny mouths underneath the shroud of tentacles. They gaped, snatching at the air, reaching for the boy. Tobias closed his eyes tight and held his breath. As the night grew darker, Lily wondered where Tobias had gone. She followed a drawn line in the sand and began to panic. The tide would come in soon, and with it, the trail would be lost. She wandered to a part of the beach she had never been to before. A mist had come and cleaned the air, a sharp tinge of salt and bilge hanging heavy. Stopping at a small pile of flotsam and seaweed, she paused, observing crabs scuttling over the mound eagerly, their claws shoving lumps of meat into their bottom-feeding mouths. Lily picked up a piece of driftwood next to the pile and turned the small bundle over, revealing a small coat she recognized as Tobias's. The crabs swarmed between the ripped buttons, exposing the intestines they consumed. Her gaze went up to a small ripped jaw with exposed gum and small teeth. Finally, she looked into the dead eyes of what was barely left of Tobias's face. She wondered if she'd ever stop screaming. Thank you so much, Mike Lee, for this terrifying tale next to the ocean. Something that I really enjoy about it is that you can actually picture yourself in Tobias's shoes, just wanting to get away for a bit. Everybody feels that way. Walking further down the beach than perhaps you meant to, and then not really noticing the red flags as you walk by until it's just too late. And how about you, listener? Have you ever gotten separated from someone and feared for the worst for them or for yourself? We'd love to know more if you wanted to tell that story to us. Something scary at snarled.com. Halloween presents poetically praise on a family in this poem sent in by Renee and adapted by Dennis Culver. Dear Marquia, I've been a fan since my daughter introduced me to this channel. I hope you enjoy my story. Renee Greer. On the night of Halloween and all around my house, no one felt safe, not even my spouse. We barricaded the doors and secured them with care, unaware that the creature was already there. The children were crying, hidden under their beds, while the piercing howls of damnation screamed in their heads. My husband gripped his bat and I knocked my bow. We both steeled ourselves for the night's horror show. When the door exploded and every window shattered, I readied myself to protect what mattered. I looked towards my children as they screamed in fear. Their cries forced my body to shift into gear. The howls rose all around us and made us feel sick. When arrived in the doorway, the demon, old Nick. The monster smiled, showing his blood-soaked jaws. He whispered to my baby, and closer she crawled. My husband and I stood together to fight. It would take all our faith to win the long night. No matter what we witnessed, we couldn't let go, lest the monster's hold on our baby daughter would grow. We might lose her forever to the demon's dark reign, our remaining days filled with misery and pain. We prayed for the strength to get through the night and the power we needed to banish the blight. 
old neck was tricky and had tricks up his sleeve, but nothing would stop holy reprieve. Voices of our ancestors begged us to stop. We ignored them, nothing more than the devil's false prop. Our holy chants grew louder and the darkness screeched in pain. The whole house shook trying to break our holy refrain. Our baby cried and begged for old Nick's hands. Brokenhearted, we chanted and trusted God's plan. Fire burned suddenly in the living room floor. It formed a perfect circle and burnt nothing more. We sang ever louder and the room filled with blessed light. Our prayers were answered with all our Lord's might. Old Nick fell to his knees and our free. I picked up our daughter and told the devil to leave us be. He picked up himself and conceded the fight, but vowed he'd return next Halloween night. Thank you so much, Renee, for sending in such a wonderful work that helped inspire this final poem. And what a great point of view you took with it, too. For those that are unaware, this is based on a classic Christmas poem, so I absolutely adore having a Halloween theme with it. Please feel free to send us your adaptations of other classic poems or classic works. We would love to spotlight them for you. And what a haunted house this was that Renee has. Do any of our listeners out there have any unbelievable memories of going through a haunted place or an experience? Are you going to any of the at-home haunted houses? Or are you going to do any of those at-home immersive boxes that get sent to your house? Or perhaps going to a haunted drive-in? Feel free to send us your experiences or pictures. Email them to us at somethingscary@snarled.com or tag us on Instagram at wearesnarled. This next story you have asked for repeatedly for us to do and ask and beware because you shall receive. Out of the dark corners of the internet, Old horror icons grow in popularity, like Jeff the Killer. Here is part one of our abridged reading of the anonymous creepypasta. After weeks of unexplained murders, the ominous unknown killer is still on the rise. After little evidence has been found, a young boy states that he survived one of the killer's attacks and bravely tells his story. I had a bad dream. And I woke up in the middle of the night, says the boy. I saw that for some reason the window was open, even though I remember it being closed before I went to bed. I got up and shut it once more. Afterwards, I simply crawled under my covers and tried to get back to sleep. That's when I had a strange feeling, like someone was watching me. I looked up and nearly jumped out of my bed. There, in the little ray of light, illuminating from between my curtains were a pair of eyes. They weren't regular eyes. They were dark, ominous eyes. They were bordered in black and just plain out terrified me. That's when I saw his mouth, a long, horrendous smile that made every hair on my body stand up. The figure stood there, watching me. Finally, after what seemed like forever, he said it. A simple phrase, but said in a way only a madman could speak. He said, Go to 
to sleep. I let out a scream. That's what sent him at me. He pulled up a knife, aiming at my heart. He jumped on top of my bed. I fought him back. I kicked, I punched, I rolled around trying to knock him off me. And that's when my dad busted in. The man threw the knife. It went into my dad's shoulder. The man probably would have finished him off if one of the neighbors hadn't alerted the police. They drove into the parking lot and ran towards the door. The man turned and ran down the hallway and I heard a smash, like glass breaking. As I came out of my room, I saw the window that was pointing towards the back of my house was broken. I looked out to see him vanish into the distance. I can tell you one thing. I will never forget that face. Those cold, evil eyes and that psychotic smile. They will never leave my head. Police are still on the lookout for this man. If you see anyone that fits the description in this story, please contact your local police department. Jeff and his family had just moved into a new neighborhood. His dad had gotten a promotion at work, and they thought it would be best to live in one of those fancy neighborhoods. Jeff and his brother Lou couldn't complain, though. A new, better house, what's not to love? As they were getting unpacked, one of their neighbors came by. They introduced themselves and invited them to their son's birthday. Jeff and his younger brother Lou were about to object when their mother said that they would love to. Jeff started to talk, but stopped himself, knowing that he couldn't do anything. Whenever his mom said something, it was final. He walked up to his room and plopped down in his bed. He sat there, looking at his ceiling, when suddenly he got a weird feeling. Not so much pain, but a weird, dark feeling. He dismissed it as just some random feeling. He heard his mother call him down to get his stuff, and he walked down to get it. The next day, Jeff walked downstairs to get breakfast and got ready for school. As he sat there eating his breakfast, he once again got that feeling. This time, it was stronger, darker. It gave him a slight tugging pain, but he once again dismissed it. As he and Lou finished breakfast, they walked down to the bus stop. They sat there waiting for the bus, and then all of a sudden, some kid on a skateboard jumped over them, only inches above their laps. They both jumped back in surprise. Hey, what the hell? The kid landed and turned back to him. He kicked his skateboard up and caught it with his hands. Well, well, well. I'm Randy, and it looks like we got some new meat. Suddenly, two other kids appeared. For all the kids in this neighborhood, there's a small price for bus fare. If you catch my drift, Randy said. Lou stood up ready to punch the lights out of the kid's eyes when one of his friends pulled a knife on him. The kid walked up to Lou and took his wallet out of his pocket. Jeff got that feeling again. Now it was truly strong, a burning sensation. He stood up, but Lou gestured to him to sit down. Jeff ignored him and walked up to the kid. He popped him in the nose and grabbed the kid's wrist. They screamed, and Jeff grabbed the knife from his hand. He threw them to the ground. Another kid lashed out at him, but Jeff ducked and stabbed him in the arm. Lou could do nothing but look in amazement at Jeff. Jeff, how do you... was all he said. They saw the bus coming and knew they'd be blamed for the whole thing, so they started running as fast as they could. As they ran, they looked back and saw the bus driver rushing over to Randy and the others. As Jeff and Lou made it to the school, they didn't dare tell what happened. Jeff knew it was more. It was something scary. As he got that feeling, he felt how powerful.
powerful it was, the urge to just hurt someone. He didn't like how it sounded, but he couldn't help feeling happy. When he got home, his parents asked him how his day was, and he said in a somewhat ominous voice, it was a wonderful day. Next morning, he heard a knock at his front door. He walked down to find two police officers at the door, his mother looking back at him with an angry look. Jeff, these officers tell me that you attacked three kids, that it wasn't regular fighting, and that they were stabbed. Stabbed, son. Jeff's gaze fell to the floor, showing his mother that it was true. Mom, they were the ones who pulled the knives on me and Lou, he said. Son, said one of the cops. We found three kids, two stabbed, and witnesses proving that you fled the scene. Now what does that tell us? Jeff knew it was no use. There was no proof it was not them who attacked first, so Jeff couldn't defend himself or Lou. Wait, said Lou. It was me. I beat up those little punks. I have the marks to prove it. He lifted up his sleeves to reveal cuts and bruises as if he was in a struggle. The officers looked up to see him holding a knife. Lou dropped it to the ground. He put his hands up and walked over to the cops. It was me. I did it. Jeff had tears running down his face. He watched helplessly as the cop car sped off with Lou inside. A few minutes later, Jeff's dad pulled into the driveway, seeing Jeff's face and knowing something was wrong. Son, son, what is it? Jeff couldn't answer. His vocal cords were strained from crying. Instead, Jeff's mother walked his father inside to break the bad news to him as Jeff wept in the driveway. After an hour or so, Jeff walked back into the house, seeing that his parents were both shocked, sad, and disappointed. He couldn't look at them. He couldn't see how they thought of Lou when it was his fault. He just went to sleep, trying to get the whole thing off his mind. Two days went by with no word from Lou, no friends to hang out with. He was left with nothing but that growing feeling of something sinister. When he laid in bed alone, there was something there in the dark with him. It felt inviting. It made him think of the joy he felt hurting those bullies. It made him want more as the feeling grew. Closing his eyes, Jeff heard a voice in his head whispering, Go to sleep. Tune in next week for the conclusion of our abridged reading of the anonymous creepypasta, Jeff the Killer. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Sabina Graves, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley and Mari Carlson. Produced by Annalise Nelson and Marquis McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.